Our goal that sent me to sleep is to help the world get a good night's rest. Everyone deserves that. So if you're enjoying the show, please make sure that you've followed the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other podcast player you use. And if you have a moment, review the show on Apple Podcasts. All of this helps the show reach new listeners. Thank you so much for your support. Good evening. Welcome to Send Me to Sleep, the world's sleepiest podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm here to help calm your mind and send you into a peaceful night's sleep. Tonight, I'll be reading chapters 17 and 18 of Heidi by Joanna Speary. So, let your eyes fall heavy, and your breath soften, as we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. Chapter 17 Retaliation Early the next morning, the doctor climbed up the mountain in company with Peter and his goats. The friendly gentleman made several attempts to start a conversation with the boy, but as answer to his questions, he got nothing more than monosyllables. When they arrived on top, they found Heidi already waiting fresh and rosy as the early dawn. Are you coming? asked Peter as usual. Of course I shall, if the doctor comes with us, replied the child. The grandfather, coming out of the hut, greeted the newcomer with great respect. Then he went up to Peter and hung on his shoulder the sack which seemed to contain more than usual that day. When they had started on their way, Heidi kept urging forward the goats, which were crowding about her. When at last she was walking peacefully by the doctor's side, she began to relate to him many things about the goats and all their strange pranks and about the flowers, rocks, and birds they saw. When they arrived at their destination, time seemed to have flown. Peter, all the time, was sending many an angry glance at the unconscious doctor, who never even noticed it. Heidi now took the doctor to her favourite spot. From there, they could hear the peaceful-sounding bells of the grazing cattle below. The sky was deep blue, and above their heads, the eagle was circling with outstretched wings. Everything was luminous and bright about them, 
but the doctor had been silent. Suddenly looking up, he beheld Heidi's radiant eyes. Heidi, it is beautiful up here, he said. But how can anybody with a heavy heart enjoy the beauty? Tell me. Oh, exclaimed Heidi, one never has a sad heart here. One only gets unhappy in Frankfurt. A faint smile passed over the doctor's face. Then he began. But if somebody has brought his sorrow away with him, how would you comfort him? God in heaven alone can help him. That is true, child, remarked the doctor. But what can we do when God himself has sent us the affliction? After meditating a moment, Heidi replied, One must wait patiently, for God knows how to turn the saddest things to something happy in the end. God will show us what he has meant to do for us, but he will only do so if we pray to him patiently. I hope you will always keep this beautiful belief, Heidi, said the doctor. Then, looking up at the mighty cliffs above, he continued, Think how sad it would make us not to be able to see all these beautiful things. Wouldn't that make us doubly sad? Can you understand me, child? A great pain shot through Heidi's breast. She had to think of the poor grandmother. Her blindness was always a great sorrow to the child, and she had been struck with it anew. Seriously, she replied, Oh yes, I can understand it. But then we can read grandmother's songs. They make us happy and bright again. Which songs? Oh, those of the sun and of the beautiful garden. And then the last verses of the long one. Grandmother loves them so that I always have to read them over three times, said Heidi. I wish you would say them to me, child, for I should like to hear them, said the doctor. Heidi, folding her hands, began the consoling verses. She stopped suddenly, however, for the doctor did not seem to listen. He was sitting, motionless, holding his hand before his eyes. Thinking that he had fallen asleep, she remained silent. But the verses had recalled his childhood days. He seemed to hear his mother and see her loving eyes. For when he was a little boy, she had sung this song to him. A long time he sat there, 
till he discovered that Heidi was watching him. Heidi, your song was lovely, he said with a more joyful voice. We must come here another day, and then you can recite it to me again. During all this time, Peter had been boiling with anger. Now that Heidi had come again to the pasture with him, she did nothing but talk to the old gentleman. It made him very cross that he was not even able to get near her. Standing a little distance behind Heidi's friend, he shook his fist at him, and soon afterwards both fists, finally raising them up to the sky as Heidi and the doctor remained together. When the sun stood in its zenith, and Peter knew that it was noon, he called over to them with all his might. Time to eat. When Heidi was getting up to fetch their dinner, the doctor just asked for a glass of milk, which was all he wanted. The child also decided to make the milk her sole repast, running over to Peter and informing him of their resolution. When the boy found that the whole contents of the bag was his, he hurried with his task as never in his life before. But he felt guilty on account of his former anger at the kind gentleman. To show his repentance, he held his hands up back to the sky indicating by his action that his fists did not mean anything anymore. Only after that did he start with his feast. Heidi and the doctor had wandered about the pasture till the gentleman had found it time to go. He wanted Heidi to remain where she was, but she insisted on accompanying him. All the way down, she showed him many places where the pretty mountain flowers grew, all of whose names she could tell him. When they parted at last, Heidi waved to him. From time to time, he turned about, and seeing the child still standing there, he had to think of his own little daughter who used to wave to him like that when he went away from home. The weather was warm and sunny that month. Every morning the doctor came up to the Alp, spending his day very often with the old man. Many a climb they had together that took them far up, to the bare cliffs near the eagle's haunt. The uncle would show his guest all the herbs that grew on hidden places and were strengthening and healing. He could tell many strange things of the beasts that lived in holes in rock or earth or in the high tops of trees. 
in the evening they would part, and the doctor would exclaim, My dear friend, I never leave you without having learned something. But most of his days he spent with Heidi. Then the two would sit together on the child's favourite spot, and Peter, quite subdued, behind them. Heidi had to recite the verses, as she had done the first day, and entertain him with all the things she knew. At last, the beautiful month of September was over. One morning, the doctor came up with a sadder face than usual. The time had come for him to go back to Frankfurt and great was the uncle's sadness at this news. Heidi herself could hardly realise that her loving friend, whom she had been seeing every day, was really leaving. The doctor himself was loath to go, for the Alp had become as a home to him. But it was necessary for him to go and shaking hands with the grandfather, he said goodbye, Heidi going along with him a little way. Hand in hand they wandered down, till the doctor stood still, then, caressing Heidi's curly hair, he said, Now I must go, Heidi. I wish I could take you along with me to Frankfurt then I could keep you. At those words, all the rows and rows of houses and streets, Miss Rottenmere and Tinette, rose before Heidi's eyes. Hesitating a little, she said, I should like it better if you would come to see us again. I believe that will be better. Now, farewell, said the friendly gentleman. When they shook hands, his eyes filled with tears. Turning quickly, he hurried off. Heidi, standing on the same spot, looked after him. What kind eyes he had, but they had been full of tears. All of a sudden, she began to cry bitterly and ran after her friend, calling with all her might, but interrupted by her sobs. Oh, doctor, doctor. Looking round, he stood still and waited till the child had reached him. Her tears came rolling down her cheeks while she sobbed. I'll come with you to Frankfurt, and I'll stay as long as ever you want me to. But first I must see Grandfather. No, no, dear child, he said affectionately. Not at once. You must remain here. I don't want you to get ill again. But if I should get sick and lonely, and ask you to come to me. 
would you come and stay with me? Can I go away and think that somebody in this world still cares for me and loves me? Yes, I shall come to you the same day, for I really love you as much as grandfather, Heidi assured him, crying all the time. Shaking hands again, they parted. Heidi stayed on the same spot, waving her hand and looking after her departing friend till he seemed no bigger than a little dot. Then he looked back at a last time at Heidi in the sunny Alp, muttering to himself, It is beautiful up there. Body and soul get strengthened in that place, and life seems worth living again. Chapter 18 Winter in the Village The snow lay so deep around the elm hut that the windows seemed to stand level with the ground, and the house door had entirely disappeared. Round Peter's hut it was the same. When the boy went out to shovel the snow, he had to creep through the window. Then he would sink deep into the soft snow and kick with his arms and legs to get free. Taking a broom, the boy would have to clear away the snow from the door to prevent it falling into the hut. The uncle had kept his word. When the first snow had fallen, he had moved down to the village with Heidi and his goats. Near the church and the parish house lay an old ruin that once had been a spacious building. A brave soldier had lived there in days gone by. He had fought in the Spanish War, and coming back, with many riches, had built himself a splendid house. But having lived too long in the noisy world to be able to stand the monotonous life in the little town, he soon went away, never to come back. After his death, many years later, though the house was already beginning to decay, a distant relation of his took possession of it. The new proprietor did not want to build it up again, so poor people moved in. They had to pay little rent for the house, which was gradually crumbling and falling to pieces. Years ago, when the uncle had come to the village with Tobias, he had lived there. Most of the time it had been empty, for the winter lasted long, and cold winds would blow through the chinks in the walls. When poor people lived there, their candles would be blown out, and they would shiver with cold in the dark. But the uncle had known how to help himself. In the fall, 
as soon as he had resolved to live in the village, he came down frequently, fitting up the place as best he could. On approaching the house from the back, one entered an open room where nearly all the walls lay ruin. One side the remains of a chapel could be seen, now covered with the thickest ivy. A large hall came next, with a beautiful stone floor and grass growing in the crevices. Most of the walls were gone, and part of the ceiling also. If a few thick pillars had not been left supporting the rest, it would undoubtedly have tumbled down. The uncle had made a wooden partition here for the goats, and covered the floor with straw. Several corridors, most of them half decayed, led finally to a chamber with a heavy iron door. This room was still in good condition, and had dark wooden panelling on four firm walls. In one corner was an enormous stove, which nearly reached up to the ceiling. On the white tiles were painted blue pictures of old towers surrounded by high trees, and of hunters and their hounds. There also was a scene with a quiet lake, where, under shady oak trees, a fisherman was sitting. Around the stove a bench was placed. Heidi loved to sit there, and as soon as she had entered their new abode, she began to examine the pictures. Arriving at the end of the bench, she discovered a bed, which was placed between the wall and the stove. Oh, grandfather, I have found my bedroom, exclaimed the little girl. Oh, how fine it is. Where are you going to sleep? Your bed must be near the stove to keep you warm, said the old man. Now come and look at mine. With that, the grandfather led her into his bedroom. From there, a door led into the hugest kitchen Heidi had ever seen. With a great deal of trouble, the grandfather had fitted up this place. Many boards were nailed across the walls, and the door had been fastened with heavy wires, for beyond, the building lay in ruins. Thick underbrush was growing there, sheltering thousands of insects and lizards. Heidi was delighted with her new home, and when Peter arrived next day, she did not rest till he had seen every nook and corner of the curious dwelling place. Heidi slept very well in her chimney corner, but it took her many days to get accustomed to it. When she woke up in the morning, she could not hear the fir trees roar. She would wonder where she was. Was the snow too heavy on the branches? Was she away from home? 
but as soon as she heard grandfather's voice outside, she remembered everything and would jump merrily out of bed. After four days had gone by, Heidi said to her grandfather, I must go to grandmother now. She has been alone so many days. But grandfather shook his head and said, You can't go yet, child. The snow is fathoms deep up there and still is falling. Peter can hardly get through. A little girl like you would be snowed up and lost in no time. Wait a while till it freezes, and then you can walk on top of the crust. Heidi was very sorry, but she was so busy now that the days flew by. Every morning and afternoon she went to school, eagerly learning whatever was taught her. She hardly ever saw Peter there, for he did not come very often. The mild teacher would only say from time to time, It seems to me Peter is not here again. School would do him good, but I guess there is too much snow for him to get through. But when Heidi came home towards evening, Peter generally paid her a visit. After a few days, the sun came out for a short time at noon, and the next morning the whole alp glistened and shone like crystal. When Peter was jumping as usual into the snow that morning, he fell against something hard, and before he could stop himself, he flew a little way down the mountain. When he had gained his feet at last, he stamped upon the ground with all his might. It really was frozen as hard as stone. Peter could hardly believe it, and quickly running up and swallowing his milk and putting his bread in his pocket, he announced, I must go to school today. Yes, go and learn nicely, answered his mother. Then, sitting down on his sled, the boy coasted down the mountain like a shot. Not being able to stop his course when he reached the village, he coasted down further and further till he arrived in the plain where the sled stopped itself. He was already late for school, so the boy took his time and only arrived in the village when Heidi came home for dinner. We've got it, announced the boy on entering. What, General? asked the uncle. The snow, Peter replied. Oh, now I can go up to Grandmother, Heidi rejoiced. But Peter, why didn't you come to school? You could coast down today, she continued reproachfully. I went too far on my sled, and then it was too late, Peter replied. I call that deserting, said the uncle. People who do that must have their ears pulled, do you hear? 
the boy was frightened, for there was no one in the world whom he respected more than the uncle. A general like you ought to be doubly ashamed to do so, the uncle went on. What would you do with the goats if they did not obey you any more? Beat them, was the reply. If you knew of a boy that was behaving like a disobedient goat and had to get spanked, what would you say? Serves him right. So now you know it, goat general. If you miss school again, when you ought to be there, you can come to me and get your due. Now at last Peter understood what the uncle had meant. More kindly, the old man then turned to Peter and said, Come to the table now and eat with us. Then you can go up with Heidi, and when you bring her back at night, you can get your supper here. This unexpected change delighted Peter. Not losing any time, he soon disposed of his full plate. Heidi, who had given the boy most of her dinner, was already putting on Clara's new coat. Then together they climbed up, Heidi chatting all the time. But Peter did not say a single word. He was preoccupied and had not even listened to Heidi's tales. Before they entered the hut, the boy said stubbornly, I think I had rather go to school than get a beating from the uncle. Heidi promptly confirmed him in his resolution. When they went into the room, Peter's mother was alone at the table, mending. The grandmother was nowhere to be seen. Brigida now told Heidi that grandmother was obliged to stay in bed on those cold days as she did not feel very strong. That was something new for Heidi. Quickly running to the old woman's chamber, she found her lying in a narrow bed, wrapped up in her grey shawl and thin blanket. Thank heaven, the grandmother exclaimed when she heard her darling's step. All autumn and winter long, a secret fear had been gnawing at her heart that Heidi would be sent for by the stranger gentleman of whom Peter had told her so much. Heidi had approached the bed, asking anxiously, Are you very sick, grandmother? No, no, child, the old woman reassured her. The frost has just gone into my limbs a little. Are you going to be well again as soon as the warm weather comes? inquired Heidi. Yes, yes, and if God wills, even sooner. I want to go back to my spinning wheel, and I nearly tried it today. I'll get up tomorrow, though the grandmother said confidently, for she had noticed how frightened Heidi was. 
The last speech made the child feel more happy. Then, looking wonderingly at Grandmother, she said, In Frankfurt, people put on a shawl when they go out. Why are you putting it on in bed, Grandmother? I put it on to keep me warm, Heidi. I am glad to have it, for my blanket is very thin. But Grandmother, your bed is slanting down at your head, where it ought to be high. No bed ought to be like that. I know, child, I can feel it well. So saying, the old woman tried to change her position on the pillow that lay under her, like a thin board. My pillow never was very thick, and sleeping on it all these years has made it flat. Oh dear, if I had only asked Clara to give me the bed I had in Frankfurt, Heidi lamented. It had three big pillows on it. I could hardly sleep because I kept sliding down from them all. Could you sleep with them, Grandmother? Of course, because that would keep me warm. I could breathe so much easier too, said the Grandmother, trying to find a higher place to lie on. But I must not talk about it any more for I have had to be thankful for many things. I get the lovely roll every day and have this beautiful, warm shawl. I also have you, my child. Heidi, wouldn't you like to read me something today? Heidi immediately fetched the book and read one song after another. The grandmother, in the meantime, was lying with folded hands, her face, which had been so sad a short time ago, was lit up with a happy smile. Suddenly, Heidi stopped. Are you well again, Grandmother? she asked. I feel very much better, Heidi. Please, finish the song, will you? The child obeyed and when she came to the last words, When mine eyes grow dim and sad, let thy love more brightly burn, that my soul, a wanderer glad, safely homeward may return. Safely homeward may return, she exclaimed. Oh, grandmother, I know what it's like to come home. After a while, she said, It is getting dark, Grandmother. I must go home now. I am glad that you feel better again. The Grandmother, holding the child's hand in hers, said, Yes, I am happy again, though I have to stay in bed. Nobody knows how hard it is to lie here alone. Day after day, I do not hear a word from anybody and cannot see a ray of sunlight. I have very sad thoughts sometimes, and often I feel as if I could not bear it any longer. 
but when I can hear those blessed songs that you have read to me, it makes me feel as if light was shining in my heart, giving me the purest joy. Shaking hands, the child now said good night, and pulling Peter with her, ran outside. The brilliant moon was shining down on the white snow, light as day. The two children were already flying down the Alp, like birds soaring through the air. After Heidi had gone to bed that night, she lay awake a while, thinking over everything the grandmother had said, especially about the joy the song had given her. If only poor grandmother could hear those comforting words every day. Heidi knew that it might be a week or two again before she could repeat her visit. The child became very sad when she thought how uncomfortable and lonely the old woman would be. Was there no way for help? Suddenly, Heidi had an idea, and it thrilled her so that she felt as if she could not wait till morning to put her plan in execution. But in her excitement, she had forgotten her evening prayer. So, sitting up in bed, she prayed fervently to God. Then, falling back into the fragrant hay, she soon slept peacefully and soundly till the bright morning came. <laughs>